It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, everyone. In this episode, uh, Chase and I talk a little bit about bad dating stories, just kind of bad breakups and things like that, just because... um, you know, I recently had an experience that kind of reminded me of some of the crappy stories in that scenario, so it just was a little funny in that regard. Um, and then we get into kind of the stock market and talking about the difference between stocks and gambling and our thoughts on that. Chase talks about his own experiences kind of in both um, actually gambling at tables and sports betting just a little bit. Um, kind of what we think is similar and maybe what the difference may be in some regards. And then we end this episode with talking about Rush Limbaugh and his death and kind of the reaction of his death and how kind of it was surprising to us in some respects, but we just couldn't converse about it, just kind of throw some thoughts around, just kind of think about kind of maybe what it means as a society and whatever else. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Hope you all enjoy it. I hate the program. I hate their fans. I hate everything. So it felt really good to send those guys home. Killer for Dad has become a big-time college basketball star at BYU. That's one of my lyrics in the song. There couldn't be a, a prouder older brother than Carlino, me. a bounce to Haas. Haas posting up short corner right to the middle. Fades away. Got yeah! Got to watch the three. When you do what's right on and off the field, uh, I, I think the Lord steps in and, and uh, plays, a, you know, plays a part in that. Magic happens. Chase, we're back. It's been a bit for you. I've had, uh, in the meantime... I've uh, talked with a couple other people. I've only published one other with Brady Parks. That went pretty well. Had a fun time talking with him. Do you remember him? You knew him, right? Yeah, uh, we've met a couple of times. Yeah. He's a good dude. Very, very talented. Um, I wanted to recap a couple of things. I mean, there is some relevant BYU news out there, actually, believe it or not. Um, just kind of go over that. The quick 30-second recap is that BYU still good not great at basketball but they got two pretty big recruits recently do you want to give us a run through those real quick uh so i don't know how to pronounce their names but uh we got the uh that's usually a good sign right (laughs) yeah yeah it's like a tiki ally a tiki i don't even know if i'm saying that right um he's that african guy that's playing in canada right now i think and uh i guess he was getting uh recruited by uh, Oklahoma, San Diego State, Baylor, Michigan State, and uh, he's going to BYU. And then who's the other one you're referring to? Are you talking about the Wasatch Academy kid? Or? Yeah, the Wasatch. I guess he's not a new recruit, but he's yeah. another two two big uh, atypical recruits. It's not kind of your standard Utah white kid that's going on a mission first and coming back. We got two really tall, really pretty athletic black guys, it looks like, which is rare these days for BYU, it seems like, right? Yeah, it's not going to look like the BYU of old, and I'm okay with that. No, more than okay with that, personally. Cool. So we have that to look forward to. Anyway, moving on. Like we said, just kind of a quick recap there, because there's just not much BYU news going on these days. Um, I had a thought the other day, because I got the old follow-up text to what was after a second date. It was actually, the the initial text was very nice, kind of a throwback to an inside 
joke that we had. Those are usually a good sign. And then radio silence for about a week. And I was like, this is weird. Because, like, I called her and left a message planning on a third date, which had been established at one point, but didn't hear back. And I was like, wait, this seems strange. So then I, then I did kind of pull a bitch move, I'll be honest. And I texted her and I was like, hey, I just want to make sure you got my voicemail. Because, like, if you didn't, like, I know, I know, it's bad. Because if you... <laughs> if you didn't then i'd be like well then i don't want to make it seem like i just cut her off you know and at that point i was kind of like the ball's already in her court like i already have no like no power in this dynamic at all so what's another text gonna hurt and i felt like it was gonna answer more questions so i just felt like why not it wasn't a hail mary i was kind of thinking like at this point i would have heard from her regardless through a text if any if there were any good signs so but then i got the follow-up and she's like yeah i just don't think we're meant for each other romantically (laughs) all right at least you gave it to you straight she did i mean it took some coaxing unfortunately i hate it when that happens it's like let's just like honestly i can take it i could take it i just hate that it's like especially after two dates one date kind of makes sense but two dates you're kind of thinking like at that point you've kind of established some pretty good rapport the expectation should be, hey, you know what? This is fun, but um, I'm thinking it's not really going to work out long term or I don't know how interested I am or whatever. You know, just be straight up. But don't just, like, let it die or ghost the person. I think that's a little strange. Granted, all this is arbitrary and everybody has their own opinions on this. But I felt well, like at, like two dates is you're a little bit more of an established foundation at that point. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's just the way modern dating is, is people have – kind of drifted away from dealing with their conflicts directly and they just kind of hope the other person gets the hint but you made two mistakes here first of all a good rule of thumb is they always got the voicemail they got the voicemail that, that's just a rule second why are you leaving a voicemail i never leave voicemails um yeah i don't know i'm okay with doing that yeah well, i guess i've got some ptsd from leaving voicemails because I can think of one occasion back in my BYU days where I had a huge crush on a girl and uh, I had gotten her number and we were kind of had tentative plans to hang out and I had called her because I thought I would, you know, do the, do the manly thing and give her a phone call instead of just texting her, didn't answer and on the spot I tried to come up with this witty scenario of a voicemail that completely just, it just became this train wreck. And I just kept going and going and going with it. Ended up being like two minutes long. And it was just, it was so devastating. I, I hope that's, <laughs> I, I hope it's been deleted. I, I hope she didn't uh, save that on her phone to share with people for the rest of her life. But uh, yeah, ever since that moment, I've never left a voicemail. Just don't Did do it. Did she not even get back to you? I, I don't think I, I think that was the that was the end of it if I recall and I don't blame her after that, after after that voicemail I, I, I wouldn't have responded to that either. That's amazing. Yeah, what's funny is that like so according to your rules like never like they of course you got the voicemail. So what's funny is that the reason why I initially leave voicemails is for your same reason number one of that they always get it, which. I know I kind of went back on that and was like, I let I let my head get the best of me. But in a sense, maybe I kind of wanted to call her out a little. Maybe I wanted to kind of be like, hey, like, what the hell? Yeah, you wanted, You're just you, ignoring me now? Yeah, you wanted but, your closer. You wanted to be treated as a human being, and that's fair. Yeah, sue me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
but yeah, that is kind of like based on that rule number one that you have. They always get the voicemail. That's kind of why I do it. Because like if I don't hear back from them after leaving a voicemail, well, I know they got the voicemail. And then if they don't, if I if they don't reach out after that, then my my question is answered. By the so that's way, that's why I do it. I think all of this sounds extremely George Costanza. Well, that wouldn't be the first time I've been compared <laughs> to George Costanza. Hey, I I think that's that's a compliment in my opinion, but. Oh, that's, that's the difference between you and me is that I feel like I'm getting insulted and you feel like you're getting complimented. <laughs> well, there is that episode, I think, where George does just that. I think he keeps leaving voicemails on on this woman's uh, answering machine and it turned out yeah, she, yeah. She, she was out of town the whole time and she actually wasn't getting the voicemails. And then they went through the whole thing where they tried to exchange the tape and then she had already heard the voicemails and thought they were funny. But anyway, tangent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I definitely remember that episode. It was like season two, I think. It was pretty one of the early ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, my dad even called me Costanza one time. That was like the lowest of the lows. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So I was kind of thinking, like, what? Do you have any funny like? But you kind of already shared one with your pathetic voicemail that you left. <laughs> do you have any funny like dating or bad breakup stories to share? Oh man, on the spot. Let me. I know. Sorry, I probably should have given you some little prep for this. Oh, I mean, there there was a pretty good one one time um, where there was a girl that I started dating around Thanksgiving time, and um, it was kind of like a hangout every day kind of thing. She lived like down the street from me, so that was pretty easy. And uh, come Christmas time, I felt you know there was some building pressure to do something for Christmas. Usually, I've somehow throughout my life I've managed to avoid birthdays and christmas and valentine's day and all those you know most of the marquee dates that you have pressure to do something i've managed to avoid relationships during those maybe not on purpose but um so come christmas time i go ahead and uh she was really into country music even though that's not really my thing and so i got her these george Strait tickets that weren't cheap and the concert was for like two or three weeks from christmas so Right around then we broke up, like right, like right, probably a week after Christmas we break up, and the concert was still coming up, and she had the tickets, and so here I am, like my options are either a ask for the tickets back, and I'm gonna look like a clown for doing that. Uh, option B is to let her go and take someone else, but then I feel like I'm paying for some other guy probably to go to a concert, so I couldn't do that. So instead, I just begrudgingly went to the concert with her and just had a really awkward night where we kind of pretended we were still dating but we weren't and uh that just shows my i guess my my stubbornness and and i was not willing to let her have those tickets for herself even though i didn't even want to go to the concert <laughs> that's amazing dude that actually reminds me we have a mutual friend where something similar kind of happened they were dating for a while um in fact the girl he was dating was a former goalie for BYU women's soccer just to kind of throw that out there um and he she apparently she like really liked writing poetry which I don't know that kind of seems like a red flag maybe not but <laughs> it is <laughs> uh, um so she like really wanted to type it though specifically and apparently a computer or laptop wasn't wasn't sufficient enough for her she really wanted a, a typewriter and type they don't make typewriters anymore and so he actually bought her and this is when he like wasn't making a ton of money 
from what I understand. Um, I think he, I think he was out of his undergrad, but he was, like, he was doing okay, but it wasn't anything like stellar. But he had thrown down a lot of money to buy, like, basically this antique typewriter. And he bought it already for her, and she bought him Justin Timberlake tickets in Vegas for New Year's Day. And he gave her the typewriter, and then she gave him the tickets, but then they broke up. <laughs> and so they're like well we're not going to go to this concert together she's like yeah no and so he ends up buying for the buying her this typewriter that's like four times more expensive than these tickets and then he ends up taking me to the concert for free and then i think he actually paid her for the tickets oh no believe it or not yeah so and i didn't pay for my ticket looking back at this i kind of like i probably should have offered or something i think i bought him dinner that night i'm not even sure i did that but <laughs> in other words he's a way better friend than i am but i i was the recipient of a of an awesome gift due to a very terrible breakup so there's that at least well that's one benefit of having friends in failing relationships i guess oh for sure for sure now with that said he is happily married uh with a kid so oh there you go yeah he's doing just fine and we are miserably single with no kids. Thank goodness, actually, no kids. But all right. Well, I just wanted to kind of rehash that because I think those stories are always funny. And um, it's funny. People always ask me too, like, what is what is like your worst date story or like bad breakup and things like that. And like, yeah, I've had some less than stellar breakups, but the the worst one that I can remember, which wasn't even that bad, was that I just kept prolonging it because it was like she she went home for christmas and new years and it was like well i'm you know i was already starting to lose like its steam i remember she was trying to keep in touch with me over christmas break and she kept on talking about like her pregnant aunt and how her pregnant aunt probably looked so cute pregnant and i was like i don't care about this at all i don't why are we talking about this <laughs> i was just over everything i was over the relationship i was over that conversation she comes back and i was like well i can't break up with her right when she gets back and then I wait like two weeks and I'm like, Valentine's Day is in like two weeks. I can't break up with her now. So I wait through Valentine's Day. And the worst part is we have this Valentine's Day dinner and it's just me and her. And she can tell that something's up. Oh, no. But I I didn't bring it up then. Of course not. I brought it up the following Sunday. And she's like, I, I could tell. I saw, I saw this coming. Didn't, didn't, didn't uh, take away from the devastation that I caused at all. I'm an idiot. I mean, that's my takeaway. I'm not. I'm not trying to excuse that at all. But it was. It was drawn out, and it was ugly because of that. Uh, well, there's no anyway. good. Way and then to... I tried. What was that? So there's no good way to to break up anyway. I mean, there's never a good time. You just do it. There's got to be a good way, but I haven't figured it out yet. Anyway, um, I wanted to go over this really quickly because you've had some strong opinions on this. Kind of shifting gears here. Uh, the whole like recent, um, r basically this meteoric rise of Dogecoin and the crypto market and all that stuff with the volatility and everything, you've, you're not really in the stock market, not really, but you do gamble. Yes. And you've made some comparisons to sports betting. Now, when I say gamble, I mean you, you, you sports bet. You don't like 
you don't hit the slot machines. You don't no, go to no. hit the poker table or twenty blackjack or anything like that. Well, I have but, before, but I don't do that on the regular. Yeah, but you're not a gambler by any no, means in no. that sense. But you do, you are a sports better. You you're not throwing down a lot of money, but it's more fun for you, and it keeps you kind of interested in things like that. Yeah, I guess clarifier you, clarifier. I I I got one of those DraftKings apps, and I won some house money on my initial free bet, and I just play with the house money. Just I'm not like oh, so you've never invested your own personal money. Well, just the initial deposit on the free bet that that then basically I was able to redeposit my own money and just play with the house money after that. And that's all I do. That's nice that you tell people that, that, um, that you haven't spent your own money, but we all know that's not true, but that's fine. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you've made some statements about how basically playing in the market, like Dogecoin and everything is no different from gambling. The only difference is it's not as much all or nothing but I would say the the volatility of that kind of thing, I think any investment where you are high risk, high reward, it's the same thing as gambling. I mean, the only difference in gambling is it, it tends to be an all or nothing deal. You know, you put 10 bucks on a game and you're either going to win or you're going to lose everything. But with this crypto stuff where it's going up 50% in one week, going down 50% another week, like, yeah, it's basically gambling. And I've been screwed a couple of times on it where um i i bought i i had a friend talk me into buying litecoin back when that was peaking like three years ago and i put in a thousand bucks and that thing tanked like like the titanic man that like i i put (laughs) i I put in a thousand bucks and within like six months i had like a hundred dollars left of that now granted it has come back up and i kept my money in it and now now it's like back to 60 percent of my initial investment so that's fine and then the same thing happened. Actually, you talked me into getting an XRP, and that tanked right afterwards. But th- that one did come back up too. So you don't have any guilt in that one because I've been able to. I, I could have recouped all my losses had I pulled out after it came back up to my initial investment. But I, I think it's 100% gambling. And I think there's a lot of people out there that talk a big game and act like they, you know, understand the market and that it's a, like some kind of logical investment. I think those people are full of crap. And I think it's a fun thing to do. And there certainly is like, if you have the money to just throw at something like that and just see if it takes off, that's awesome. And I, I don't think there's anything morally wrong with it, but it's gambling. It's gambling. First off, way too soon for a Titanic joke, dude. Way too soon. <laughs> we have to wait another hundred years at least. <laughs> <laughs> Second off, um, I mentioned XRP to you. You did not tell me when you were going to invest. I would have actually told you to wait had you told me you were going to put my own money at that point because you were right around when it seemed to be peaking. Now, granted, who knows when it actually peaks, right? It's much easier to say that in hindsight. But yeah. um, with that said, I do feel more you're, – you're actually right around your initial investment. You're still not far off from that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. I feel way more confident with that in the long run. And then third, to kind of get to your analysis here, I actually agree with you for the most part. Um, I think in some senses you could actually argue the volatility of the crypto market and the unknown aspects to it is even more gambling than actual sports betting because for sports betting you can generally kind of make easier conclusions and prognostications based on kind of your own knowledge of the sport with crypto and that volatility who the freak knows 
Like, they just sit around and wait for Elon Musk to, to tweet about Dogecoin for it to go up again. Like, I, like that to me seems, I, I would agree that that's definitely gambling because you're really not putting a whole lot of thought into it. You're kind of just really betting on chance. Which, by the way, how many million dollars is uh, is Elon Musk making every time he tweets about Dogecoin? You know he's like got a bunch of that shit ready to sell the second he tweets that out. And he, he knows he's gonna he's gonna create a little spike, and for him a little spike could be millions of dollars, you know, and so could very well be. And so that's kind of a bastard move by him, in my opinion. But whatever. Nah, whatever. I don't I don't really blame him if that's the case. But, um, and then the other thing too that I wanted to add was that I think the primary difference between like because people will make the argument all the time, well, what's the difference with trading in stocks like securities and things like that and gambling. And I think one of the differences you can point to is that as a general rule in gambling, in order to make money, somebody else has to lose it. So it's it's a zero-sum game. But that's not the case with the securities stock market, right? If everybody puts money into a specific company and that company uses that money wisely and makes more money off of it, then multiple people can profit at the same time. It's not a zero-sum game. And well, I think that's the best argument against gambling over actual like the stock market with securities as opposed to cryptos. That's leaving cryptos aside, obviously. Sure. Well, I mean, that wasn't. I mean, this new. I don't. I'm not like a stock market expert by any means. I don't invest in the stock market, but I do know that with the GameStop situation recently, that wasn't the case. I mean, as a result of that, all those shenanigans. I mean, granted, they were a bunch of billionaires, but a lot of people lost a lot of money. I don't know what ended up resulting of that, but I know that it. In that case, it kind of was a zero-sum game, right? Yeah, in some cases it can be, for sure. But because GameStop is definitely one of those. I mean, when you short things, when you're betting on things to fail, which was the situation with GameStop, then you're definitely playing more kind of the gambling side of things. Um, What's funny about that is that I have a friend, actually, that bought GameStop stock like back in 2018 or 2019. Like it was at least two years ago. And he told me, he's like, yeah, I forgot about it. And then it like soared. He went up to like, he's like, I bought like 50 shares for like four bucks. He throws down like $200. And then from that investment, he's taking out like over 15K, I think, when all was said and done. And I'm sitting here thinking like, good for him, first of all, like I'm happy for him. But don't you dare try and sell me on the fact that you saw something that nobody else did because that's legitimately just like investing in Blockbuster in like 2002. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like seriously, like you this is equivalent to you walking down the side of the road with your looking at your phone, not knowing where your surroundings are and falling into a big pit and at the bottom of this pit happened to be just a ton of $100 bills to pad your fall. That's like legitimately what the analogy is there. I cannot believe how lucky that is. But good for him. With that, I legitimately am happy for him. I just was like, okay, but don't tell me that I should listen to you when it comes to betting in the stock market because that just is nuts. Oh, yeah. No, people, most people have no idea what they're talking about with this kind of stuff. Neither do I. But I've just noticed with our generation, a lot of, te- a lot of people talk a big game with this stuff. And I think it's just because our generation has had the benefit of during our adult years, the stock market's pretty much just been solidly going up. And so we, I think there's a lot of like false confidence in the fact that, oh, I've invested before, I made money before, therefore I know what I'm doing. 
uh, got to be a little careful with that. I'm not saying don't invest money. I'm just saying like just because it's worked for you before doesn't mean you're not going to screw yourself in the future. I do need to give a disclaimer, and he actually has never claimed to be some expert so yeah. to his credit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now I haven't talked about it with him extensively, but I do think he actually acknowledges that he got pretty lucky on it too. I mean, he says he forgot about it, so like, go figure. But good for him. Like, yeah. hell, I don't want to take anything away from that. And I didn't want to make it seem like I'm painting him as he's like saying like, oh, I'm I know all about the market. No, he has not indicated that at all. But yeah, more funny than anything else. Um, Actually, yeah, on so. this on this topic, before we leave the gambling topic, uh, <laughs> I just thought of I, I mentioned how I had uh, so I guess little since this is a BYU podcast, I'll give the BYU context for this. So you and I we went to the Las Vegas Bowl in 2015 with a bunch of our Utah fan friends, and uh, that was a great time. By the way, I, I I wish we could replicate that kind of trip again and, and go do something like that because that was a blast. And that by the way, that even though we lost that game. That might have been the most fun I've ever had at a BYU game, which is crazy because we lost it's up there. Yeah, because, I mean, just that comeback and everything that happened with, like, the seats we were able to finagle and everything, like, that was just such a fun game. And it was actually the day before my birthday, and that night we went to the casino and we were messing around, and somehow I managed to lose, like, 100 bucks like, right off the bat, just, like, doing <laughs> stupid crap. So then it, it turned midnight, and it was my birthday, technically, and I figured out like, I, I figured out how to like rig the video craps game where I like had a system that just worked every time. And I was able to go back and break even. And so I built up all this false confidence about how well I can play craps. And so then at the time I was living in Arizona and I was driving up to Utah like a few months later for like a trip home. And I was driving through Mesquite, Nevada. And I thought, like, what the hell? I'm going to go stop at one of these casinos, drop, like, 80 bucks on a game of craps. And, of course, I lost it all. And I was so mad about it, I went back to the ATM and kept taking out more money. And each time it was charging me, like, the convenience fee. And so I, I lost, like, a couple hundred bucks, I think, in all. Um, so that was that, that's, that, that's kind of the moment I realized that I was just never going to gamble again. And then, of course, I got into sports betting, but... It is different. I would agree yeah. it is different. Now, this isn't my way of necessarily promoting it or endorsing it Be like to each their own. Yeah. Um, but I do agree that I think those things are different. Um, that was a good trip, though, touching on that a little bit, because it was ironically, we were actually sitting in Tom Homo's seats <laughs> and Dan Reynolds was actually like a few seats away from us, I remember. And there's no question in my mind that at some point on this podcast, we I know I'm going to rip on Tom Homo as an athletic director for BYU. I know I'm going to. Well, yeah, we've had plenty That's... to say about him in our personal conversation, so. Yeah, no question that'll happen at some point. So, sorry, thanks for the seats, Tom, but it's not going to stop me from trying to be objective when it comes well, to you as an athletic director. And weren't there, the, there, was, there were some guys behind us that were really, really questionable. Like, they, they were really doubting whether we were the – the owners of those seats i remember and we had to, and then eventually the game got so exciting that even though they were pissed at us for sitting in the wrong seats we ended up high-fiving them a bunch of times because everything was going so well for byu at the end of the game and they didn't care anymore it was kind of funny. we weren't we weren't sitting in the wrong seats though we actually had tickets to those seats or did you not well, no Maybe no you didn't yeah you did but i didn't i i had ah, that was I, it. yeah i had some nosebleeds with tyler 
and then yeah, we you can, joined us yeah. in the second half because there were seats yeah. by us. That's right. Yeah, but yeah. like, who cares when they're open seats anyway? You're right though. It was funny because touching on that again, um, you're not wrong, man. Of the games I've been to, that's like top three of any of the games I've actually attended in person, and we lost. It was crazy because at, that first quarter was the most miserable quarter I've ever seen in my life. But it was the juxtaposition of the experience because that first quarter was so bad but the next three were like kind of there was this slow buildup of excitement and then when the letdown came it was like kind of not the ultimate letdown because it was like you know what coming back and tying that game would have been insane so getting as close as we did at least made it exciting and it was it was crazy how that that played out because i left like it was weird you left the stadium kind of energized and the utah fans kind of seemed defeated <laughs> like oh, for sure. even our friends that were there that were utah fans were like it was really weird. Like, we won, but it didn't really feel like it. It was such a weird game in that respect, but it was crazy exciting. And it was, like, kind of the... It was opening up the Tanner Mangum era, which, unfortunately, crashed and burned. Boy, that that was the game that the Space Jam aliens came and took Tanner Mangum's talent, and it never returned. Yeah, it was gone after that. But it did wait at least till the end of the fourth quarter, because he actually... The first quarter was terrible, but the next three were... He was solid. He was actually doing pretty well, I thought yeah anyway um big news of the day i wanted to kind of this i have a question the big news of the day is that rush limbaugh died and if you've seen anything on twitter you've seen a lot of celebration of it um you've seen some interesting headlines the new york times had one that like was just talking about how basically evil they thought he was as a right-wing agitator and things things like that um it, it it was interesting to see a lot of people's reactions like legitimately celebrating this and it made me think kind of i was trying to put this into context well maybe not context but i was trying to compare it to kind of other situations and i i have the question posed for you when is it appropriate to celebrate the death of a human being when is it appropriate yeah. um i mean i would say in the context of of american politics i would say it would never be appropriate you know i think like when osama bin laden died i think that was okay uh but in the context of american politics and not you know not including people who were executed for murdering a bunch of children or something like that i don't think it's ever appropriate and what's so funny to me about this and not to get overly political but one, th- one situation that does come to mind um, when talking about this is back when um, uh, RBG died and they ha- there was a candid moment where Trump was coming out of a rally and he had just found out she died and he had some very kind words to say about her and very sincere of what I, from what I could tell uh, what he had to say about her. And what's so interesting to me is w- Trump has become like the face of like you know, literally Hitler, according to a lot of people on the left, and yet even he had the dignity to to have some have some kind of reverence for someone who had died, and yet they themselves all over Twitter, like main, it's not just like the freakazoids. It's this is like mainstream Twitter has absolutely no qualms with uh, celebrating the death of Rush Limbaugh and basically shitting on his grave, which it's I don't know. I think that is very interesting to me and if, if if not objectively wrong at least demonstrates a severe amount of hypocrisy uh from that side of the aisle 
Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this thought's just coming to my head. It's ironic that you see a lot of... It, there's no question. It's no secret that there, uh, there are a lot more atheists on that side of the aisle than on the right side of the aisle. And the ironic thing to me is that death should really be a tragedy. Um, granted, now they're, the way they justify it in their heads is, yeah, but unless it was an evil person. And that's how they've rationalized it. And I can't really argue against that because you're not going to really convince somebody otherwise. But it should be taken a lot more seriously, you'd think, that like this person died and according to the way you believe, they are now nothing and they don't even exist anymore in any form. Whereas the alternative is to think like, well, we believe this person lives on. And the supposition is that Trump is religious, whether or not he actually practiced or practices or whatever is up for question. But he certainly touts religion as part of his platform for whatever that's worth. And to him, to, for him to show kind of some of that sympathy in that regard, in that scenario, there's a little bit of irony there because in his mind, according to his beliefs, you'd assume that he thought, well, she's going to live on in some form or another, not on this earth, but the next life is kind of the, proce the thought process there. But he was still pretty reverent towards that. But then the antithesis being you have a, a, a strong atheistic viewpoint of a man that they disagreed with and hated because of his political philosophy. And they viewed him as an antagonist, quite frankly. That's how they viewed him. Um, and they celebrate it. And, and it's akin to what you had mentioned, like Osama bin Laden or comparing him to Hitler or serial killers or things like that. Because I've even had this thought too, and this isn't to compare. I guess it is to compare. I am making a direct comparison, so never mind. But I remember watching... Um, some i think it was a documentary like a series on netflix for um ted bundy and i remember it showed footage of people outside cheering his execution and i remember feeling weird even about that like there was no question ted bundy was guilty there's no question he killed all those women and in such vicious and horrific diabolical ways like he really was in some senses a representative of the devil in human form and it is sick it's it's terrible and the death penalty was probably appropriate i actually agree with that not even probably it was appropriate but would i cheer on his death would i cheer on his execution and i and i remember feeling weird about that because to me it seemed like there was some weird celebration in a sinister way that they got to end a life and it was almost a justified way of ending a life. But even a justified way of ending a life doesn't seem necessarily something to celebrate. And it got me thinking a lot more deeply about it, where it's like, really, what should be emphasized more than anything is that this man is dying because of the terrible things he did. So why don't we lament more kind of what he did and what got him to this position as opposed to celebrating that he's dead? I don't know. Maybe I don't mean to come across as this like holier than thou or anything. I, plus, I don't even know if that is a holier way of looking at it. I don't know. But... It, it just was so, that whole situation was weird to me to see people openly celebrating death in any way. And that even goes for Osama bin Laden. Like, like was I glad he was dead? Yeah, he caused so much pain to our country. You know, the most deaths on American soil ever committed by an ex external force, right? Yeah. So I, I was glad to see him die, but it still seems weird to celebrate the death of another person in any regard to me. 
Yeah, I guess it would. What do you mean by celebrate? Like to dem like to be gleefully clapping and cheering, or do you just mean like to be glad that someone's dead? Yeah, I mean, I know there's a line there. Like I said, I was glad Osama bin Laden was dead. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that Ted people like Ted Bundy get the death penalty because I truly do believe that people like that murderers and and rapists. Like, I'm not sure I'm totally for the death penalty. But when you can prove it beyond all doubt in that situation, it's like, yeah, you got to end the guy. Um, but when it comes to celebration, I mean, like going on Twitter and just touting it, you know, or something along those lines where you're just like legitimately like, yeah, cheering, I guess. I don't know. And I know, I guess we're, we're kind of splitting hairs here in terms of definition. But I think for the most part, you can kind of objectively define cheering versus just being glad. Well, yeah, I think the problem with going and cheering on a death is it sort of suggests there's something in your nature that if you had the chance to murder that person and get away with it, that maybe you would, right? If you're like that ecstatic that someone is dead, then let's say like there's an opportunity for you to, you know, drown this person in a river without getting too morbid. But like if you had that opportunity, maybe you would take it if you're that stoked about someone being dead. And that's uh, that's kind of unsettling because I, I don't see that in my own nature. Like I could never see unless someone were to have like like raped a family member or like killed a family member. I couldn't see in my own nature to want to ever murder another person regardless of what the consequences would be for that. And when you see people going out there cheering on a death, it makes you wonder what they would do in a, in a situation where they could get away with it, you know? Yeah, you bring up a really good question. Like, what if what if Rush Limbaugh had been murdered? Would they be cheering in the same way? Because that, that seems a little bit more crazy in my mind. But I don't know what the difference would be, right? Because the idea behind that would be that it's better that he dies... Then, then he keeps spreading these falsehood and vicious attacks against people like us and people of our ilk, right? Because mm-hmm. um, it does seem to, like it seems just a couple degrees away from that, where it's like if you're going to celebrate a death, especially if somebody who, it you know, is a citizen of this country who you cannot compare to Osama bin Laden, you cannot compare to Hitler, you just can't. He didn't murder anyone; it's not even close. But to celebrate somebody like that who objectively you know lived like a life that was you know may i don't know it's hard to it's hard to really define because i'm not going to say that it was harmless like maybe some people felt harmed i'm not going to comment on that but you could look at his life and say he was he was a proper citizen to say the least he was a proper citizen and to cheer that death like you're not too many degrees away from inciting murder in that respect is that fair to say like it kind of seems like that just a couple notches away from justifying some some crazy person out there that might be like well hey if we're going to cheer on rush limbaugh's death then what's going to stop me from murdering somebody that's like him so that i would be cheered yeah i know i think that's a fair comparison i don't think we're that far away from if this is where we're going to go as a country where we have such vitriol for our political opponents that we're going to wish death upon them that's not a place that I think we want to live. I don't think anyone wants to live in that place. So we got to take a we got to take a good look at ourselves as a country and figure out what's what's going on. And I think the ultimate problem that I have with the idea of like really cheering death is that when you do that, you're kind of putting yourself in the position as this ultimate judge, 
And that's, I think that's kind of the, the conclusion that I've come to with that, in that regard. Because it, it's basically saying if it were up to you for this person to live or die, you would choose for them to die. And you feel like you've gotten to a position where you can make that decision. And that's where I step back a little bit because it's like, I'm glad I'm not the judge for anyone. That's, that's something that I look at as a, a huge relief in my life, that my only job really is ultimately to be loving towards people. Now, am I that way all the time? Of course not. I'm not even close. In fact, I'm trying to be better in that regard. But the default being that I don't have to actually judge these people and decide their fate is such a huge relief. And it seems like the exact opposite of that when you're cheering on a death like this, where it's like you are viewing yourself as the ultimate judge of this person and knowing just exactly where their heart was and what their intentions were. Yeah, well, and if, if this is the direction we're going, then it seems to me that the last several thousand years of civilization building and creating a society that's livable for people, it's all been for naught if we're just going to toss it all away because we want people to die we disagree with. Because that's ba basically the entire history of civilization has been building to a, a world where we can resolve our conflicts without killing each other and if we just want each other to die then i guess that was it was all it was all in vain yeah it's all back to square one at that point isn't it <laughs> yeah anyway that got pretty heavy pretty quickly but i really wanted to talk about that because it was big news today and it just maybe it started getting me thinking like what like you know what's the situation and like here's the thing i'll be i'll be honest like i i saw people cheering about it that i really like like friends of mine that I've really enjoyed talking with about a lot of different to topics of conversation. And, That's unfortunate. Well, I mean, I, I like being friends with people with, with different viewpoints, and I, I appreciate you know having having their insights into the way they think. It's enlightening. Whether or not I will agree with it or they'll convince me of one way or the other is irrelevant. Just the fact that I'm at least a little bit more in the know of how they think, I appreciate that. And... I saw that and I saw that on full on display for some of those people and I it, it wasn't that I was disappointed I'm not even going to say that because it's just it I don't know how they're thinking and that's what I was trying to trying to rationalize it's more that it just started getting me thinking like how like what is it that motivated them to do that and I mean I still I'm still friends with these people I still want to be friends with these people I still I still respect them in so many ways it was just um I guess surprising in some respects, but not even sure why it was surprising, I guess, but that's why I'm talking about it. So that's why I brought it up and I appreciate your insights. But with that, I mean, we can basically sign off here. Um, one thing I want to talk about at some point, and I know you have some insight here or not some, not insight, but some uh, good stories is uh, you got some scary stories, don't you? <laughs> that you've even experienced. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I mean, Halloween's a long ways away. But we we can we can always do a pre-Halloween like what's what's the six month uh, the half we can call it a half Halloween episode what's what's that like May thirty first no, that's in <laughs> April dude yeah that's in April so no we can't we can't wait that long um right. uh we'll probably bring it up before then because I actually have a buddy that I want to bring on at some point too and probably combine the episodes because he's got one of the scariest freaking stories I've ever heard All right, it involves so... like like kind of skinwalker ish it's crazy man. Is he from Arizona? Because those Arizona kids love, love their skinwalker stories. No, he's from Utah, but it was like, I can't remember. It was some remote cabin. Like, the thing is, there's a skinwalker ranch in Utah. So, like, the skin we are in skinwalker country even in Utah. So, 
Actually, I, I, I might. I don't know what happened. I'll, I'll tell this story when we do this, but I might have a Skinwalker story myself. I'm not sure. So we'll go, just have man. to leave that cliffhanger for everyone. Love it. Got to hear more of it. Cool, man. Well, you got anything else before we sign off? No, that's it for me. All right, brother. Well, much appreciated as always. 